it feels good in the house of the Lord tonight. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of 1 John, the second chapter. And as you're turning there, let me just say that uh, I do think I am here in the will of God. And um, the week before Pastor Booker called me, I had, uh, I had been on the phone all week canceling preaching engagements. Uh, all year round, I preach all over the United States. And um, I had felt so impressed to stop preaching while I'm trying to pastor. And then uh, Brother Joel Booker called and <laughs> asked me if I could come. And uh, uh, I got on my knees and I prayed. Um, I consider Brother Booker a very dear friend. And uh, just a few days prior to that, God had given me a message that I thought rather peculiar, title and everything. And uh, it felt very much in line with what you were doing here tonight. And so I just assumed it was the will of God I'd be here. And uh, I feel good about being here. I'm a little nervous about preaching, I'm not going to lie to you. But um, I need you to help me. I believe that this church, and I don't say this to sound spooky or scary, I believe that this church is entering into some spiritual warfare. And uh, I feel the Holy Ghost, amen, hallelujah. And when we begin to make big moves, spiritual, economical, you name it, uh, things begin to shake, foundations. And you know, this, the devil thought he had Rialto. The devil thought he had some of you. The devil thinks he has the people walking on the street out here. But we're shaking the foundations of hell. I said we're... Oh, come on. Do you believe that? There's some hell shaking going on. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Can we lift our hands just for a few seconds? I know, I know you have your Bibles open. We've all already experienced the mighty touch of the Holy Ghost, but there's something wonderful happening right here. I believe that there's a congregational anointing that's about to fall. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And someone shout amen. First John chapter 2, verse number 16, very familiar territory. The Bible says, For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The Greek rendering there would be the pride of possessions. Is not These things are not of the Father, but they are of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to you for a very brief moment tonight on this idea escaping 
the empire of the buyer. Escaping the empire of the buyer. Can you say amen? Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. God, I pray that your spirit now would engulf us. And I pray that you would saturate this house one more time before we're dismissed to go home tonight. God, you've created this moment in time. And I pray that as we walk out of these doors, a mighty blessing, God, would overtake us in Jesus' name. And somebody shout a strong amen. Give the Lord one more good hand clap of praise. Shake your neighbor's hand, give them a great big God bless you, and you may be seated. There are, there are ideas which have been around for so long that rarely do we stop to ask ourselves if things really are the way they are, if things have really always been that way. One such idea is the idea that you and I are consumers. Adam Smith, an early and influential economist and philosopher, once said, consumption is the sole end and purpose of all production. In other words, everything made is made so that people can consume it. Both classic and modern thinkers do not see this as a bad thing, which is why the idea of humankind as consumer is rarely ever challenged or questioned. Most societies, without knowing it, have accepted the definition of humanity, this definition of humanity, without any reservation. Prior to this interpretation of the human identity, people saw consumption as something full of moral pitfalls. It could be argued that perhaps it was because people of time past were more noble, wise, or perhaps religious, some of which is probably true. What is also true, however, is that perhaps it was because they did not have access to objects produced in mass the way you and I do. And thus it did not make rational sense that anyone should be consuming too much of anything. This is even the way the government saw things. In many places throughout Europe and the United States, you could be arrested for having too many possessions. This idea might strike some of us as ridiculous or even funny, but that is because our perception of products and objects and us having more and more of them is rather skewed. Unfortunately, many people never question the label of consumer. We never stop and challenge the idea that there are entities that see us as nothing more than consumers. And this does not go unnoticed by industries of food, fashion, and entertainment. Perhaps what is most disturbing about such industries is that they tell us that who we are is intertwined with the objects we possess and own. The clothes we wear, the foods we eat, the cars we drive, the music we listen to, all of these things, all of these things are actually necessary 
to have happiness or they are necessary in helping us express our feelings. This flies in the face of what Jesus told us in Luke 12 and 15 when he said, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. The idea that all we are is consumers of goods is not good. The idea that all we are is consumers of goods is not good. It is dangerous. It is destructive. It places the self on a pedestal that is way too high. It's little wonder that the infatuation with the self is one of the signs of the last days. 2 Timothy 3 and 2, the Apostle Paul warns us and says that in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. Peter comes right behind Paul and says in 2 Peter 3 and 3 that in the last days, people will pursue after their own lusts. We don't even challenge how much we think about our self, how infatuated we are with our self, how much credit and validity we give to the self. If you feel empty, we will tell you to fulfill yourself. If you feel stressed, we'll tell you to take care of yourself. When you're challenged, we'll tell you to believe in yourself. When you feel repressed or, or, or cloistered, we'll tell you that you just need to express yourself. We'll tell you that you need to love yourself. We'll tell you that you need to be yourself. And if you perceive yourself as being mistreated, we'll even tell you to stand up for yourself. We are infatuated with the self. Every day we are being bombarded with the idea that we are not givers, we are takers. Everywhere we look, everywhere we hear, everywhere we are, there is a message being broadcast that you are not a giver, you are a taker. You are not generous, but you are justifiably and evolutionarily a greedy little creature. And to tell ourselves that we are not believing this message is rather naive. Two-thirds of the U.S. economy is strictly consumer-based. That means that over half of our economy depends on people buying things. It is time for the church to reclaim our rightful identity. It is time for us to walk out of here tonight with a different definition of ourselves. It is time for the church to reject the merchants of identity who tell us we are greedy, who tell us we are nothing but consumers and that there is nothing wrong with it. I want you to know tonight we are who God says we are. We are givers. We are generous. We are magnanimous. And it is because we are blessed. We are... Come on, somebody. Come on. We are not just consumers. We are givers. We may buy some things, but when we come to the house of God, we give. And when we leave the house of God, we give. And when we walk around the streets of our cities, we give. We are not just here to take. We are not just here to consume. We are not just here to... Come on. That may be the state of the world, but that is not the state of this church. That may be the state of the world, but that is not the state of the church of the living God. We were put here for a different reason. We were put here for different purposes. We were put... Come on, somebody.
Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Let's magnify Jesus right now. I feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody right now. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus if you believe that. We want more of God. 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 We don't want more things. We want more of God. We don't want more cars. We want more of God. We don't want more clothes. We want more of God. We don't want more food. We want more of God. We don't want more shoes. We want more of God. We don't want more entertainment. We want more of God. We don't want more movies. We want more of God. We don't want more of this world. We want more of God. Because only God can make the soul satisfied. Only God can make a man happy. Only God can satiate us. Only God can satisfy us. Only God can... Come on, somebody. Come on. Do you believe that? There's nowhere else in all the world where you can get what you get here on a Sunday night and on a Wednesday night. There's nowhere else in this world. There's no possession. There's no object that you can have in your hands or on your back that will ever make you feel the way you feel here right now. There's no pair of shoes that will ever give you more of a self-worth than the Spirit of God living inside of you. There's no material possession. There's no home. There's no car. There's no clothes. That can never come on, somebody. Come on, do you believe that? I know you believe that. Oh, hallelujah. 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 It's time that we go priest mode. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know the priests of Israel. Amen. They had less. They had less privilege. They had less possessions. They had less land. They had less of everything, but they had more of God. Come on. Amen. And last I checked, Revelations 1 and 6 still says that he has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. And to him be glory and dominion forever and forever. We are priests. We are priests. We are after more of God, not more of this world. We are after more. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him right now. Let's praise him right now. Oh, Jesus. Now, before you think I'm preaching against owning things or possessing things, let me just say it very plainly. That is not what I'm preaching about. I am preaching that that is not what it's all about. I am preaching that that is not what life is about. I am preaching that that is not what spirituality is about. I am preaching that that is not what the Bible is about. I am... God, God will bless the giver. God loves, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, God loves the cheerful giver. God loves... The cheerful giver. We started a church in, in Alameda. And um, I, before I, 
I got to working on the church in Alameda, I actually took a very small church that I came out of. And I helped get it back on its feet and, and do some work there. But there was, it was a real small deal. I mean, I think there was a total of nine people when I walked through the doors. Uh, five of them were women. Uh, and the other four were children. Uh, there was no men in the church. And uh, I did all I could to help that church. I, I, I really did. I love the things of God. There is nothing more satisfying. There is nothing more rewarding. There is nothing more incredible than watching people's lives changed. I'm, I'm telling you the gospel truth. As a, as a person, uh, I cannot tell you the amount of joy and, and satisfaction that I derive from watching somebody's life literally transformed in a matter of seconds. I will do whatever I can to get in the work of God, to stay in the work of God, to be a part of the work of God, to invest in the work of God. And it's not because I'm a preacher. I would do this if I was a good saint on a pew because I want to see lives changed. I want to take criminals off the street. I want to stop people from going to hell. I want to... I want to snatch people out of the hands of suicide and depression. I, I don't know about you, but I just get happy watching people whose lives were on a dead end road all of a sudden get saved. I just, I don't, I, I don't think I'm alone here when I tell you that there is something unexplainable, ineffable, amen, joyous and powerful about watching somebody who had no hope, no future, get baptized in a tank, come out of that thing, and all of a sudden they got a job, and all of a sudden their wife is going to stay with them and their children get better and they're graduating from college and they're and they got a savings it's power you know what that felt really good right there let's just clap let's just there's some there's some wonderful happening here right now The church was in bad shape. This is no exaggeration. When I walked into the building, there was a turtle. Like a real one. In the middle of the sanctuary. I remember I asked one of the saints, how did the turtle get in here? You would have just had to have been there. There was a turtle in the sanctuary. <laughs> no one knew how the turtle got in. It was in a big pozole pot. It was just, it was a Spanish church. In case, shout out to all the hermanos. Hallelujah. Praise God. But there was a turtle. Five women and four children. When I wasn't there, I was traveling, preaching to thousands, but I enjoyed coming back to watch five women and four children get the word and watch them bring their friends from school and watch them bring their neighbors and watch them move the turtle out of the sanctuary and start having some church. And my, and my wife would get in there. My wife would play the piano and we would preach just like we preached to thousands. And it was amazing to just watch the whole dynamic change. But I remember there was a time while we were doing it where we were literally going broke. 
We were, we were putting more money into it than, than, it was, than it was giving back. And even if it gave back money, I took that money and I went and asked evangelists and pastors and preachers to come preach to these good people. And slowly and surely, the church started growing. But I remember one day, I just got so broke that I just really didn't know what I was going to do anymore. And I knew I was in the will of God. And I knew that God blesses his work. And I knew, I told myself, I refuse to be part of the buyer empire. I'm not just here to consume. I'm here to put skin in the game. I'm here to be in the game. I'm not, I didn't get saved just to play games. I'm, come on, I want to do the real thing for Jesus. I want to be... Come on, I really want to be where the action is. I really want to be where the battle is. I really want to be where the fight is. I really want to be where the blessings are. I really want This is no exaggeration. I remember one day I was getting ready for church and I just started crying. And I said, God... I don't know how we're going to make it. God, I don't know how we're going to make it. God, you, you, you have me in one of the most expensive areas in the United States. I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. I don't know. I don't even know how I'm going to get from here to there and back and keep doing this. I don't know how much. And I just started breaking down. I'm not, I am not exaggerating when I tell you I was unraveling on my way to church. And I just remember God telling me, I am going to bless you. God opened the door for us to go to Alameda. I told that group of women and those children and 20 other people that started coming, I told them, I said, God has called us to go somewhere else, but you are welcome to come with us if you want. I, I'll never forget it. Those women, those children, they started packing up their stuff. They said, Pastor, wherever you go, we're going to go with you. We, the city where I live, Alameda. The city where I live in Alameda, we just passed up San Francisco for, for, for most expensive area per square foot. San Francisco's like at $450 per square foot, $450 per square foot of housing. Amen. We, we are at about $500 per square foot. Amen. There was a woman there in Alameda that bought a house and she said, God told me there was going to be a church here. She said, I'm going to let you and your family live in this house. Hallelujah. Come on. She doesn't charge us anywhere near $500 a square foot, trust me. Hallelujah. But Come on. Come on, you got to get out of the buyer empire and you got to tell yourself I'm a giver. I'm generous. I love this. I bless. I I'm not just a taker. I'm going to put in. I'm going to Come on. Come on, there's a life outside of just buying. There's a life out of just there's more to life than just having things, accumulating things. There's more to life than just putting more stuff in the garage, more stuff in storage. There's more to life than a new car. There's more to life than a new pair of shoes. There's more. Come on, somebody. There's an exciting life in Jesus. Come on, I feel something exciting happening here right now. God is talking to some people right now. He said, Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't know who God is talking to right now, but 
there's some young couples here right now, God is talking to you. I want everybody to lift their hands right now just for a few seconds. God is... There's a beautiful calling of the Lord going forth in here right now. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus, this, I, I want to finish this testimony. This is not even part of my testimony. You know, and, and what is it? I, I think it's Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. The Lord tells Israel, he says, even if, even if Assyria puts its yoke on you, it'll fall off your neck. And then he goes one step further and he says, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The literal word there is, the literal word there, the literal word word there in Hebrew is penei shamen, which literally means because of the fatness. And if you want to be real literal, it means the yoke will be destroyed because of the fatness on your face. And you know what God is saying? God is saying the way I'm going to destroy the bondage and the yoke on your life is incrementally, just a little by little. You're going to be bigger than your problem. I'm not going to deliver you from your problem. I'm going to make you grow inside of the confines and inside of the yoke and that yoke doesn't fit on you anymore and one day Assyria is going to look back and say we don't even have we don't even have a prison to hold them there's too many of them we don't even have chains big enough to hold them the Lord has made them too fat too favored too to somebody you know I know you know what I know how you're given for this building pledge it's incrementally but those little incremental givings make room for God to give you incremental blessings and before your situation knows it and before your circumstance knows it and before the devil knows it God's gonna plump you up God's gonna make you strong and robust and the yoke won't fit on you anymore and the yoke will be broken and the yoke will have to snap cuz God because God was incrementally blessing you. Oh, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. God's talking to somebody. God's talking. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just keep going to that job. There's going to be a day when that job, amen, isn't big enough for you. Just keep. Come on, keep working on that marriage. There's going to be a day that the problems in your marriage aren't big enough to hold the blessings in your marriage. Keep working on your children. There's going to be a day. Come on, get lost in this right here. Hey, y'all.
Every hand lifted high just for a few seconds. Come on. Keep that hand up. Keep that hand up. <laughs> little by little. Here a little, there a little. Here a little, there a little. Here a little, there a little. And all of a sudden, the enemy's yoke doesn't fit anymore. One week after two weeks, three weeks after four weeks, uh, one year after another, and all of a sudden, the enemy's yoke doesn't fit anymore. The enemy. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say this. I'm not intimidated to say this. I don't have any reservation about saying this. This church is going to be blessed. Individuals in this sanctuary are going to be blessed. Blessed be... Yes, you are. Yet the devil is a liar. I don't have any reservations about saying this. There's going to be young people here. You're going to be blessed. There's going to be young people here. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed on your way to college and on your way home. You're going to be blessed on your way to high school and on your way home. Your first job's going to be a blessed job. I don't have any reservations about saying this. There's young couples here that God is going to call you to the work of the Lord. And God is going to bless you in the work of the Lord. I don't have any reservations about saying this right here. There are single people here God is going to bless you God is going to bless you God any reservations about saying this there are some of our senior saints God is going to bless you God is going to bless you because the righteous are never forsaken yes I got news for somebody who just got out of prison God is going to bless you I got news for somebody that still is on probation but you're doing your best to serve Jesus God is gonna bless yes he is yeah 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 Jesus.
There was one lady that moved with us. She, didn't, she had never even seen. We lived just a few miles away from Oakland. We lived two miles away from Oakland. She, didn't, she had never been to Oakland. She didn't know where Oakland was. She said, Pastor, my husband found us a place where we could go live. Amen. She, she ended up getting an apartment 1.5 miles away from the new church. She didn't know where the new church was, but God knew where the new church was. There was one woman who followed us. This is the gospel truth. She got a little apartment right across the street. There was a really nice, nice uh, school, good school. She has a brilliant little daughter, just hyper-intelligent. She said, Pastor, I've never told you this story. She said, when we moved out here, she said we were broke. She said we did not even have enough money to buy groceries. She said, in one Saturday, we were walking by my daughter's school. And on the bench, there was a bag of groceries. And I walked over to the bag of groceries, and I looked inside of it, and it was full of food. And she said, my first thought was, take it. And then she, she said out loud, I cannot take this. And my daughter said, mama, take it. She said, God is blessing us. Take it, mama. She, she looked around to the left and to the right. She took the blessing. <laughs> she told me, Pastor Prado, for five days in a row that happened. She said, we'd walk by the school and there'd be another bag of groceries. We came back the next day, there'd be another bag of groceries. Came back the next day, another bag of groceries. I'm telling you, when you get out of the buyer empire and you get into the giving kingdom, when you get out of the buyer empire and you, when you begin to identify yourself as a person living for God, as a giver, as a blesser, as a, hallelujah. When you begin to say, I will not let this world identify me, and my center of gravity will be Jesus Christ, and he'll be at the center of it all, and my decisions, and the moves I make, and the schools I go to, and the jobs I take, and the things I do, I will do it all according to God's will. I'm telling you, there's a blessing attached to the man and the woman that decides we're doing it God's way, no other way. We're doing it God's way, the best way. We're doing it... Come on, I'm talking to somebody here right now. Oh, let's praise Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I want every hand lifted up here just for a few seconds. I'm almost done preaching, I promise. I'm actually done preaching. I want everybody to stand. I'm done preaching. <laughs>